know there's quite a few new people here over the last couple of months, and if you've been with us for a few years, you know that I really am encouraging always people to read their Bibles out of a written word, not a cell phone or a tablet or things like that, just for one reason, because you distractions, distractions of this day and age is real, amen? And so you're going to get you're going to get a text and uh, you're going to stop reading your bible and so for us as younger people it is crucial for us to read our words and to get notifications from where from one place amen and so get yourself a bible bring it to church let's read together and let's um let's honor god in, in the way that he also gave his word to us um and read it and and uh Put attention on his word. Amen. We are going to start a new sermon series, not tonight, but it's almost like if you've ever watched a, um, a movie and, uh, and you want to go to the movies, but you, you're not sure if you want to watch that movie, and so you watch the, the trailer, right? So what did you call it before? The prelude. Is it a prelude? Okay. Prelude or a, a trailer. And so I thought, um, you know, Donnie and the, the people that went to the family camp this morning, they, they did a certain thing at the camp about the, the race, about finishing the race, and, and, I, and I believe that was great, and I hope you, you enjoyed it. And so Donnie said that tonight I can preach on anything. It's an open topic, and so you feel like a, a pastor, feel like a, a kid in a candy store, if you're like, what am I going to preach on? Um, but God really convicted on my heart to, to preach into this sermon series that we're going to have because many times what happens is when we start a new series, we just jump into certain books of the Bible or topics and we don't get to just stand back and just view this thing from, from a distance and have we are going to logical filter of what's going to happen, amen? And so... We are going to speak for the next eight weeks on the kingdom of God, an upside-down kingdom. And so it's going to be incredible from next week on for eight weeks, two months almost. We're going to go through almost the whole book of Mark from chapter 1. We're going to, we're going to work through certain things that Jesus said and Jesus spoke into. And we're going to speak about this kingdom, the kingdom of God. An upside-down kingdom is the series going to be called. But many times, we don't even know what is the kingdom of God. So we address certain things in God's kingdom, but we don't know what is the kingdom of God. And so the topic tonight is the kingdom of God. And really the purpose of the sermon is to establish a a God understanding, a theological understanding, not just a, a made-up understanding, a man-made understanding of God's kingdom. I, oh, I think, you know, this is what it is. No, a God understanding of, of what God's kingdom is for us to understand in our hearts and in our minds over the next eight weeks what God is going to do through His Word in our lives. Amen? And so, as a Christian... It is important for you to understand this phrase. Maybe ask the person next to you, do you, do you know what this means? If you have to explain the kingdom of God to someone, ask him, do you know what the kingdom of God is? 
explain it for a moment. And so studies have shown that many times people will say it's Israel, it is a certain place, it is a certain people, it is um, maybe God, you know. So there is so many answers to this question, what is the kingdom of God? And so I hope that tonight we will have a God understanding of when we go into the next eight weeks, that we will have sort of a filter, that we can understand what we are saying and when we talk about God's kingdom and that this kingdom is unlike any other kingdom in this world. It is a kingdom that looks different, sounds different. It does different things than a normal kingdom that we, are, that we think we know of in this world. I mean, look at just the British kingdom at the moment, and how they mourn about their monarch, and I have all the respect of what's going on in the royal family at the moment. But God's kingdom looks different. I cannot help but think of this when we go through this um, chapters. And so just a few things for you to know. The kingdom of God is mentioned through the New Testament over 70 times through the New Testament. Mostly Jesus speaking about the kingdom of God in the four um, epistles, the four apostles, the first four books of the New Testament. The Gospel of Matthew, over 30 times the word kingdom is in. And so the kingdom of God is mentioned in Scripture in different ways. And so maybe you've noticed this and you've wondered about this. So Matthew refers to the kingdom of heaven, right? Um, Mark refers to the kingdom of God. Luke refers to the kingdom of Christ or sometimes just kingdom. And Luke also refers many times to the kingdom of heaven. Ephesians refers to the kingdom of David. Matthew refers to the kingdom of heaven mainly because he was sensitive of the audience that he was writing to, which was the Jews. And so even though the exact words differs from God to heaven to Christ to David, it comes down to the same concept. It's one kingdom, and it is God's kingdom. We speak about the kingdom of God. There's only one kingdom. It's not different kingdoms. It's the kingdom of God that we speak of. And so with that thought in mind, I want you to turn to Matthew 13. We're going to read this parable that Jesus is sharing with his disciples. And and maybe this week in your, in your Bible study time, if you want to, you can go and read the whole Matthew 13. You know, there's, I think, six, seven, or eight stories about parables that Jesus compares the kingdom of God to. And so you can go and read the, these, um, these stories in Matthew 13 and pray about them, read about them, um, get some some, some uh, interpretations or some commentaries uh, just to get some more knowledge on what is being said and shared in this moment. And so let's read this specific parable in Matthew 13 from verse 24. It's the parable of the weeds. It's the parable of the weeds. And you, you almost have to put yourself in the free state for a moment because Jesus is going all farmer here. Okay? So... Listen to this, from verse 24. 
He puts another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good wheat, good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them, speaking about the weeds? But he said to them, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. So let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. And I think the, the disciples was like, we know nothing about farming. And that did not make sense at all. And so, you know, this story almost takes me back to the, to the free state. Because if you grew up in the free state, which I did, um, you would obviously have a, a friend that, that's farming. And so going to the fields, you would always see um, that there is... When the harvest is up and the millies are ready. And uh, there's always weeds along with them. And so there's not someone that's going and take out the weeds. They will spend all day doing that. But at harvest time, everything was separated. It's a beautiful picture that Jesus is sharing. But if you, if you don't know the context of which he's speaking into, And his only key that he's saying, the only key that he's sharing is the kingdom of God may be compared to this. It's so confusing, right? So let's go a few verses down to verse 36. And so Jesus was with the people. Do you want me to take the hand out? Are you guys all right? Okay, I'm going to continue. So, so as, as the, um, they were going through this day, uh, obviously Jesus was with the people and he was sharing stories and all of that. There was one stage where they were tired and they would go back home. And I think this story baffled the disciples. Because God, Jesus, compared the kingdom to something that they did not understand. So they wanted to know more. They had the outline, but not the coloring in. And so they asked Jesus, verse 36, Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Now you have to check this this next three verses. Note them from verse 37. It says, He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. Right? The field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the son of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels and they will gather out 
of, of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 43, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. A beautiful explanation, right? Jesus just shedding light on this, on this story. And so there's a few observations I want to point you to. So you have to see this. A few observations. Jesus named seven different roles. Did you, did you caught them? Name seven different roles. Did you pick them up? Let's go back. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the son of the evil one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Seven roles Jesus is speaking of. And we're not going into each one of these tonight. We'll briefly mention them so that you can have an understanding of the kingdom of God. But what is then the kingdom of God? He mentioned seven, but not one is the kingdom of God. So what is it? Verse 24. Let's go back to verse 24 in the parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to all of it. It is everything. It is all seven. All of it is in there. The sons of God is in there, but there's going to be lawbreakers as well. The devil is in this world. The world is God's kingdom. The king of the kingdom. The way that we live in the kingdom. All of it is God's kingdom, and he is the king of the kingdom. <laughs> the way we live in the kingdom, that makes the kingdom the kingdom. And so here's three things I want to highlight. It's always, almost become our theological filter, if you want to remember that word. I like that word. It's a theological filter. Three things that the kingdom of God is, that you can keep in mind over the next eight weeks, is the ruler, the sons, and the blessing. The ruler, the sons, and the blessing. The kingdom can be nothing without a king, so the, the kingdom needs a king. And so we'll speak into the king, the ruler. A kingdom can be nothing without people. And so there will be people. <laughs> because the king needs to lead people. And so we're the sons of God. And then in this kingdom, we live a certain way and it will be a blessing or a curse. And so we speak about the ruler, the sons, and the blessing. When we speak about the rule of Jesus Christ on earth and in heaven... The rule of Jesus Christ on earth and in heaven. Just think of that for a moment. The rule of Jesus Christ on earth and in heaven. Verse 37 says, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. He is the master. He is the king of the kingdom. He is the farmer. He's the one that owns everything. 
The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. He's Jesus, the rule of Jesus Christ on earth and in heaven, not just on earth. Jesus prayed, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. And so rule and reign. Rule and reign. You can write down those two words if you want to. Rule and reign. The basic meaning of the word kingdom in the Bible is God's reign. God's reign. Not realm. It's not a realm. It's not a realm or people. The kingdom creates the realm. The kingdom creates the people. But the kingdom of God is God's reign. That is the meaning of the word kingdom. If you want to turn your Bibles to Psalm 103, I did not put it, put it up there. Psalm 103 verse 19 says, The Lord has established His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom rules over all. His kingdom rules over all. He rules. God's reign and rule governs all things. Everything. On earth, you and me, everything on this earth, God rules it. He reigns it over it. He created it. He sits as king on his throne of the universe, and his kingly rule, his kingdom, and his reign governs all things. If you want to turn to Psalm 22, verse 28, I read it just before we started. It says, for kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Kingship. You can even go to verse 27. Listen how beautiful this is. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship oh, before you. You will worship him. And then he says, For the kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. God's kingly rule, His reign, His action, His lordship, His sovereign governance. The kingdom of God is the presence and powerful lordship of the person of the king himself, Jesus. We cannot speak about the kingdom of God without a king. And so, yes, over the next eight weeks, we will speak into Jesus. We'll speak into the king and how he established his kingdom, his rule, and his reign on this earth, Jesus. Almost the expectation of what the people had of a king. And here Jesus shows up, and he just, he threw them completely, because his kingdom is different. He spoke differently. He looked differently. And then he said, my kingdom will be inside of you. How beautiful is that? So we need to speak about the king, the ruler of the kingdom. Secondly, the sons of the kingdom or the church. The sons of the kingdom or the church. If we speak about God's kingdom, we need, need to speak about the people. Right? Verse 38 says, The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. And so the good seeds 
are the sons of the kingdom. But then there's also the evil one that came and he planted the weeds, remember? And they also came up and so there will be, there will be sons of the evil one as well because that was one of the roles. There will be those as well. People in God's kingdom. And there will come a place where they will be separated. On which side will you be? She will be known by your fruit. There's a difference between a weed and a wheat. One gives life. One takes life. The kingdom is known and seed wherever Christ is acknowledged. The kingdom is known and seen wherever Christ is acknowledged. Wherever Christ is, that is where the, where the kingdom of God is. Listen to this. Where people are saved, where his enemies tremble and fall, and where his ways are obeyed, the kingdom of God is anywhere, anytime, or anyone over whom Jesus Christ is Lord. When Jesus said, I needed to go to heaven, I need to make space for who? For the Holy Spirit to be here. And Pentecost came and we were filled by the Holy Spirit. And even today we are filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens? We are full with the kingdom of God inside of us. And so anywhere, any place, anyone where we are going and we're proclaiming the Lordship of Jesus is the kingdom of God. The kingdom is the king reigning in, in our hearts and minds. And so when we speak of the upside down kingdom over the next eight weeks, it is for us to understand God's kingdom is in our hearts, is in our minds. It's us. We are part of his kingdom. And so do we sound different? Do we look different? Because there's a difference between a weed and a wheat. John 14, there's this beautiful verse where Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit. And at one point he says, and we will come and make our home in you. We will come and make our home in you. It's Jesus saying, I want to live inside of you. I want to establish my kingdom inside of you. The sons of the kingdom. We are the sons of the king. And thirdly, the last one is the blessing and the advantages that flow from living under God's rule. The blessing and the advantages that flow from living under God's rule. But it can easily, that's the one side of it, it can be a blessing. But then there's also a curse. There's also the evil one. And we can look different. We can look just like the world. We can look different than what God is asking us to look like and sound like and be like. We can just be part of this world. And so he's saying it's a blessing and there's advantages that flows from living under God's kingdom. Verse 43 says from this chapter where Jesus is explaining this parable, he says, verse 43, Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. We will shine in this kingdom. Why? Because we have lived 
in God's kingdom. We have obeyed Him. What does this mean? What does this mean? Galatians 5 verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you have it? Do you live this way? Listen to this. From, from Matthew 5, Jesus is giving kingdom principles. It speaks about kingdom principles. And so Matthew 5, he says, turn, to the, turn the other cheek. Do we turn the other cheek? Jesus is saying, walk the extra mile. Give a little bit more. In Matthew 5, he says, do not hate your enemies, but love them. It's different from the world, friends. We are supposed to look different. We are supposed to love, not hate. We are supposed to give and not receive. Matthew 6, he says, give to the needy. Give with no desire to receive. Chapter 6, he says, do not lay up treasures on the earth, because your treasures will be in heaven. The kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus goes on in Matthew 7 when he gives these wonderful kingdom principles. And he's saying in Matthew 7 verse 13, he's saying, For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. It is easy to live in the world. Sound like the world. Be like the world. It's easy. It's easy to be a weed. And then he says, verse 14, For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And then if you go down just a few verses, verse 21 from Matthew 7, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Because this kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. This kingdom looks different. It is for us to look different and sound different and be different because we are the sons of a king. We are not the sons of the evil one, the devil. We are the sons of the king, and he has established his kingdom in your heart, and therefore you can look different. You can be different. Amen? Are you with me? Are you tired from the camp? Just know that God's kingdom is inside of you. And so, the blessing flow from living under God's rule. The blessing flows from under living under God's rule. And so, the kingdom of God means the ruler, the king of the kingdom, the sons, the people of the kingdom. And the blessing is to be part of God's kingdom and to live in His kingdom and to obey what He's saying, to do what He's saying. Because from that place, there's a blessing. From that place, we will receive what He is saying. And so God's sovereign presence is in this place. And I want to ask the band to come and join us. We're going to just respond to this word
This is such a beautiful verse to me, Psalm 22, verse 28. For the kingship belongs to the Lord, and He rules over the nations. He rules over our hearts. He rules over you tonight. He rules. He, lo- he loved you so much that He gave Jesus to, to conquer the, even the evil one so that you do not have to. Just for you to be in His kingdom. It just requires two things. For you to be saved by the King. He wants to save you. And for you to live a life in His kingdom. Not to go back to what, he, to what you used to. Be saved and go back to that. No, to live in this kingdom. To take yourself off that throne, off that chair, and place Jesus on that place. Because that's really lordship. That's what it is. And so we speak about God's saving grace. He's our savior. But he's not just our savior. He's our Lord as well. Amen. He's our king as well. And so when we live in his kingdom, we do what he asks us to do. We do what the king asks. And so I want to pray for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the king.